0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com.
1: Our scripture this morning comes from Exodus 5 1 through 7. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and more, moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest you fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest for their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give people straw to make their bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Now, verse 22 and 23. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to his people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Now, chapter 6. But the Lord said to Moses, "Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will deliver them out of this land." God, spake, God spoke to Moses and said to him, "I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, in which the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the people of Israel, from the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say, therefore, to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks be to God. Thank you, Mamie, for reading God's word. I'm so grateful for authentic worship. Man. apologizes, man, when, when, when God is good, I don't care about seeming put together, And but I'm grateful I'm among brothers and sisters, uh, needy people, broken people, but people who have good news, and sometimes, man, it, it hits you at your core, Miss Donna and you become undone when you realize you got a good heavenly father. So I don't know where y'all coming in today, um, but God is speaking to us. He has good news for you, wherever you coming in, no matter your age, to the little ones who's being held by their daddy, to our season, Brothers and sisters, and all the people in between, he has good news for you. He wants your ear, he wants your heart. So before we move forward, let me just, let me just breathe the prayer of our time and ask God to do what he do best. And that's transform hearts and minds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are here with us not because we invited you to to come here, but you invited us into your presence. Thank you that when your word go forth, it would not return void. It would accomplish its purpose for our good, for your glory. So we are listening. We are open, we are available for your transformative word the power of your spirit. So thank you, God, for blessing us. We pray you bless this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you uh, recently, maybe sometime in the past couple weeks or the past couple months, asked yourself, has God forgotten about me? Now let me remind you that just because you ask yourself that question or you ask God that question, it doesn't make you less holy. It doesn't make you less spiritual. It doesn't make you weak. But if we're honest with ourselves and we have found ourselves asking that question, God, have you forgotten about me? We feel as if our prayers are just hitting the ceiling just breathing air to the atmosphere. And it's this extended season of unanswered prayers and we can't make sense of it. It seems as if it's always one thing after another. Suffering, hardship, trials, loss, grief, which leads to frustration, which leads to more confusion, which sometimes leads us to depression. And if you are tired today, if you, if you find yourself in the, currently in a season of suffering and asking yourself or asking God the question, have you forgotten about me? I have good news for you. I'm grateful for the Bible for so many reasons, because the Bible is so relatable. This is not an outdated book. It's very relevant. It's always gonna be relevant until we breathe our last breath on this side of earth. Thousands of years from now, his word will still be speaking. The Bible is so relatable because it's filled with people, men and women, boys and girls, like you and I, And I'm sure at some point in their life, most, if not all, probably has asked themselves the question, has God forgotten about me? Because they found themselves in a season of persecution, a tired season. Life is just life. (laughs) And they need good news. And the Bible speaks of their good news. And not just for them, but for you and I today. And, And if I could just sum up my sermon This message, if you could walk away and you're enjoying yourself at lunch or on a car ride home, and your child or somebody asks you, What was this sermon about? What was church about? And this is what I want you to tell them that we can be encouraged in hard seasons because God is too good to forget about his people. We can be encouraged in times of suffering because God is too good to forget about his people. Let me just jog your memory real quick. We are working our way through Exodus, and Moses has been sent by God to rescue his people under the harsh hand, the heavy hand of oppression of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. God had promised Moses that he would be with him, that he would Help him perform all these miraculous signs. He said, go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Now, as we approach chapter 5 in the beginning verses, we see Moses and Aaron. They have their first encounter, face-to-face encounter with the most powerful man in that time. And they told him, thus says the Lord, let my people go. But to their surprise, it didn't go as planned. It didn't go as Moses or Aaron probably expected it. And Pharaoh prolongs this season of suffering. Now the people are discouraged. Moses, we will see, will become discouraged. And this 400 plus years, generations upon generations, can you imagine? Born into slavery, died into slavery. Another generation, born into slavery, died into slavery. Brothers and sisters, these, these folks need good news. They heard about this God, Yahweh, but he seems silent in their suffering. How relatable is that is, that is to us? Doesn't God sometimes seem silent in your suffering? So I got two points for us. It's a two-sided coin, if you will. I want to spend some time first talking about the reality of the seasons of our suffering. And then at the second half of my sermon, I want to talk about a few reminders that we can cling to during those seasons of suffering. First, let's look at the reality of our seasons of suffering. As I said before, Aaron and Moses, they approach Pharaoh and they standing in his presence, and they proclaim the word, thus said the Lord, let my people go." And look at Pharaoh's response. He say, who is the Lord that I shall, shall, should obey him? Excuse me. I would not let them go. Pharaoh, isn't, he isn't asking a question out of curiosity. Moses, you telling me, your God said, okay, tell me more about this God. <laughs> this question is, is reeking and it, it, it's, it's, it's telling us of his hardened heart, his stubbornness, the sarcasm, the arrogance that Pharaoh has. Pharaoh, essentially, in this time, he saw himself as one of the gods. So as the most powerful person in that time, whom he see himself as one of the many gods. And this, this, this Hebrew shepherd comes to him in his presence and says, let my people go. This god sent you and told me to disrupt what I got going on. Pharaoh, in a sense, is offended. And essentially, Pharaoh, he... He declares his disrespect, his lack of reverence to the Lord, and he prolongs the season of suffering as if it already wasn't hard, as if people wasn't already dying from heat exhaustion, intense labor. Now you say, okay, you go find your own straw. I'm not providing the straw anymore. And the straws were essential to making bricks. But that was a way for Pharaoh to show his arrogance, towards the Lord, and because his abuse of his power, because of his lack of recognition and worship and reverence towards God, he abused his power, and the ramifications were detrimental on other people. you probably saying, okay, Ortez, can you break that down a little bit more? Okay, let's look at our history. Let's look at now, 2023, or let's look past, throughout all of history. Whenever there's somebody in power who abuses their power, who arrogantly puffs themselves up, they no no longer are going to dignify the people beneath them. In other words, they use their power for destructive ways, and it inhibits people to really live a flourishing life, a life of dignity and value of honor and respect that God has imprinted on all his image bearers. Pharaoh is the quintessential example of this. We see that in slavery here in America. Individuals, sometimes in the name of the Lord, abuse their power. Now we know Pharaoh had no relationship with God, but how much more people self-proclaiming Christians to abuse their power to enslave, an individual against their will. I was talking to a brother this morning. We were just briefly just conversing over the text. And I said, hey, man, one thing I realized that I'm not going to make this sermon mostly about Pharaoh. He is a main character of this particular account. But ultimately, the battle is not against Moses and Aaron as they go to Pharaoh. I would even go as far as to say that the battle is not against Pharaoh and God, but the battle against God and Satan himself, against God and the unforeseen dark forces of the world. Brothers and sisters, this ain't a game. Even on our best day, when everything is going good, in a different realm, there's this cosmic battle against good and evil. If you don't believe me, let's. Let's hop over to the New Testament. It's all connected. Ephesians chapter 6. Our good old brother Paul reminds us of the battle that we're in. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the unforeseen Forces against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're seeing this played out through Pharaoh. Not just Pharaoh, but all the other Pharaoh types throughout all of history, even today. If you think about it, These unforeseen forces, these these wicked and evil cosmic powers are manifesting themselves through certain people and through certain systems that are designed to destroy people's lives. And especially those of us who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our savior. There's a real enemy, there's a real war that's trying to beat us down. No, that's trying to destroy and kill us. It's a real war. There are real dark activities that are happening, brothers and sisters, that are trying to hinder us from our worship to the one and true living God, that are hindering and dividing us for our fellowship from one another. Think about all the isms in the world, racism, Classism, sexism, all the isms are meant to divide. And most of those isms find its way within the church. There's a real war that's going on. And in the midst of this war that has manifested itself, itself, in the suffering of God's people, we find ourselves asking the question, God, have you forgotten about us? I mean, I can't imagine the Israelites in this particular time, generation after generation after generation. I've heard oral stories from my great-great-grandma, my great-great-granddad tell me about this, this Lord, this this God who made these promises to the forefathers of the faith, but I don't see nothing changing in my situation. And they asking the question, has God, forgotten about us. If I was to be honest, it's really hard to try to make sense of suffering. Why does a good God allow not just bad things, but horrific things to people have committed their lives to him after all the Bible is clear that God is an almighty God that he's love that he's a just God he abounds in steadfast love he's merciful but all the while suffering evil still exists I, well, maybe, maybe I'm the only one. I've been to seminary. i read some of the best scholars, and nobody can give me an answer. And it's not for us to have an answer. Oh, yeah, this is the reason why God allows suffering and evil. All the while, he persists to be all-loving, all-powerful, just. God isn't in heaven with his feet propped up all the chaos that's going on in the world is like man they just can't get their stuff together god isn't smirking like yeah i'm just i'm just waiting you know to come in and to save the day but i'm going just kind of god isn't punishing his children god i'm going through this because you're punishing me god discipline and love there's a, dis- there's a difference between him disciplining us in love and for punishing us or condemning us. Because last time I checked, all the condemnation was placed on Christ. He drank the full cup of God's wrath so that his children could be spared. His children could have the righteousness of him. Our seasons of hardship, our seasons of suffering whether we believe it or not, are still in the tender care and the tender hand of God. and He controls all things. I think about my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, Ebony's parents who live in Palm Bluff, Arkansas. I married me a country girl. I'm a city boy from St. Louis. And once I began to visit them more and go down to Palm Bluff on Griderfield Road, It is a sense of retreat for me. Um, I find myself being able to smell different air that I'm not able to smell here in Memphis. Uh, I I come in, I'm more in tune with nature. I don't have cell phone service. So, you know, you kind of forced to uh, just take everything in. But I appreciate my mother-in-law and my dad-in-law for so many reasons. They have shown me how to be resourceful. That's one of the reasons why I changed my diet, but that's neither here nor there. Um, I'ma leave Sir G to tell all the jokes. Um, But when it comes to just uh, dieting, gardening, they have this large garden and always planting things. They got tomatoes, collard greens, okra, all kinds of stuff. But I'm always curious when I'm in the kitchen and they chopping up some vegetables or maybe they cleaning out their refrigerator and some things or, or rotten, or they done with the leftovers, there's this bag that pops. That's why I called uh, Ebony's mom. That pops, he typically put the leftovers, the, the things that's rotten in his bag. But he takes it out to the garden. And he puts it back into the garden. And I ain't an agricultural guy, so I'm not gonna come off and act like I know what I'm talking about. But I've seen it enough that he's using the mess. He's using the rotten things, to plant them again because he has a purpose for those things to grow something else from that thing that is rotten. If y'all still tracking with me, what I'm trying to say is our hard seasons of life. Yes, God can intervene. He can do something with the snap of his finger, but he choose not to because he's using those things to refine us. He's using those things to grow us so that we can be stronger, not within ourselves, but within him for the next season of life. For the farmers out there, you know, when you grow crop, it's not just for you, but it's for somebody else. The people I've been blessed with the most are the people that bragged on, bragged on God about man, Tez. When I was going through such and such in my life, when my marriage were, was on the rocks and God showed up, when I had this, this conflict with another family member, or when I was into it with my roommate or with my brother, and, and, and when I had this particular illness, or when I had this financial hardship in my life, and when I had a son I've been praying for since he was born, and 30 years later, he's lived his life all over it, the drunkenness and things of that nature, and he came back home, he gave his life to the Lord. It's those kind of conversations that encourage me the most. That they use their seasons of suffering in order to have a testimony for the Lord to encourage another person. I know y'all, it's hard. It's hard when you're in the middle of it. Because the reality is we can't always see God's providential hand in the present. It's when we look back. Huh, God, okay. I see what you was doing with those tears. I see what you was doing with those sleepless nights. I see what you was doing with those hard conversations. I see what you was doing when my family was telling me, you sure God hearing your prayers? Yes, he's hearing my prayers. But I don't know, some way, somehow, he's going to work it all for my good and for his glory. Preaching on suffering as if I'm the... (laughs) I'm right right there with y'all. Our dear brother Moses, he had questions for God. It was specific questions for God. Haven't you had specific questions for God when you were going through your particular season of suffering? Let's look at Moses' questions. Chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. Everything going on. He's, he went to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh essentially laughed in his face and say, ah, oh, you want me to bow down to your God? Absolutely not. In fact, I'm about to make it harder for the people. Harder for you because you're the leader of the people. Can you imagine millions of people hearing whispers? This Pharaoh, this shepherd, he, he, he came on the behalf of Yahweh. He said he's going to deliver us. And before you know it, things got worse. It was natural. Moses said, hey, God, I need to have a conversation with you. I got some questions. Here, here, here are a few questions that Moses asked God in verses 20 through to 23. I don't know we had it. I'll just read it. The first question he asked in verse 22, Moses asked God, why have you done evil to this people? Why have you done evil to this people? He's questioning God's goodness. Moses, to Moses' perspective, uh, point of view, God, you're the author of this evil. You're the, you're the reason for this evil. Nah, God ain't the reason for the evil. Pharaoh, he willingly did what he did because of his stubbornness and his hard heart. The second question Moses had for God, why did you ever send me Why did you even send me? See, Moses is already hesitant in the initial conversation. Now he experienced some pushback from Pharaoh and the the people. And he said, God, why you even send me in the first place? He's questioning God's purpose. We found ourselves in that particular. Why you even send me to this particular people to do life with? Why did you send this sickness? Why did you allow my baby to be born with this particular ailment? Why me? Why, why was I born into this family? A dad who would devote his life to alcohol, alcoholism and drug addiction. Maybe you suffer from abuse Physically, mentally, sexually, or verbally. God, why? And then lastly, Moses says, you haven't even delivered your people. He questioning God's actions. You're not moving fast enough. Are you really in control? Because if it was me, I would have already delivered these people. Moses is so relatable to us. Especially when we find ourselves in those hard times of life that we just can't make sense of it. But after all of these questions, brothers and sisters, God actually provided space in this relationship and He invites the questions. Look at all the Psalms, all 150 Psalms. You want a a, a homework assignment? Not necessarily a homework assignment. You want a devotional assignment? Start with Psalm 1 and make your way through a psalm, maybe a psalm a day, a psalm every two days. And make a note every question you see this particular person asking God. You see, God in his kindness, he, he makes space for our questions. His feelings aren't hurt. He's not taking it personally. He wants us to question. But even with our questions, we also have to submit those things that we don't know. Those things that are out of our control to his complete and perfect sovereignty. I think about Isaiah chapter 55. That's a helpful reminder for us. Isaiah tells us in verse eight and nine for God is speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways or your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than than your thoughts. We see this with children, right? Young children asking our parents, why? But why this? Well, how come we can't? And it's legitimate curiosity, but at the end of the day, the kid doesn't see the perspective, the point of view of the parent. How much more, God, we find ourselves wrestling with these things. God saying, bring the questions, but also, me, I want you to trust that I'm working, even though you can't make sense of it. And lastly brothers and sisters, as we round our way out, I want to leave us with a few reminders during our seasons of suffering. At this point, God seemed to be silent. Moses is frustrated. The people are frustrated. Their faith is, is weighing weak right now, but now God has something to say. and He wants Moses to shut up, to be quiet, to listen. And to be quite honest, I didn't want to say this because I'm not the best at this in my own life. When I find myself in seasons, difficult seasons, I feel like sometimes I'm complaining more than I'm praying. I'm grumbling, critiquing. Envisioning, ah, yeah, only if I would have did that. That would have been the easier way. Versus waiting on God. Now God's saying... I need y'all to be quiet I need y'all to be still because I had something to say and here's some beautiful reminders to Moses and the people but also to us during our seasons of suffering the first reminder we see in Exodus chapter 6 verse 1 God reminds us that it's he alone that will get the glory from our restoration and our deliverance look with me in verses 1 and chapter 6 the Lord said To Moses now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh for with a strong hand he would send them out and with a strong hand he would drive them out of his land and it wasn't because Pharaoh like ah you know what let me do my good deed for today y'all can just go no it was because God was in control and God directed Pharaoh and all his actions to let the people go the second reminder we see God wants to remind us that he has a history of faithfulness to his people. Look with me in verse 3 and 4 in Exodus chapter 6. God on the road, he said, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land in which they, has, they have lived as sojourners. God say I got I a proven history that I'm faithful. Moses, lest I remind you. He said, I, I appeared to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. But he said, I did not make myself known to them the way he's made himself known to Moses. Now, I had to dig in a few commentaries to see what they was talking about, if I was to be honest. What he's communicating is to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, the patriarchs, the forefathers, he revealed God revealed himself as El Shaddai. El Shaddai in the Hebrew means that God is almighty. He can do all things. But with Moses, Moses, God revealed himself as Yahweh. In other words, Yahweh is the covenant-keeping God. It's not that God was selling Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob short. It was that his revelation was building upon the other. In other words, Moses in real time, he can look back and see God's faithfulness to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And God says, I'm revealing myself to you as the covenant-keeping God. What about us, brothers and sisters? In 2023, Do we not have the full revelation of God? And so in other words, in our seasons of suffering, whether you can't see the future, the present is hazy, but what about the past? When it's hard for you to look at your own past, look at church history, look at brothers and sisters in our midst who have those testimonies of the Lord's faithfulness, of his kindness, his power, his provision. their lives. We know how the story ends. We know the beginning in Genesis. We know the end in Revelation that God is faithful to his promises. And then lastly, brothers and sisters, God reminds us that he's the faithful deliverer of his people. Look with me in Exodus 6, verse 6. He says, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. As I close, one thing that struck me in the word of uh, theology, they, they, they have this word called anthropomorphic. In other words, it's when God kind of used uh, names, imagery, body parts. He said, I will deliver you with an outstretched arm. God doesn't really have an arm, but he's trying to break it down to us so that we can understand. We know that it's true. God did deliver the Israelites with an outstretched arm. He was the true deliverer. For brothers and sisters, one year years later, another Savior who came, who went to this particular cross, and with his outstretched arms, and his nail pierced hands, and his nail pierced feet, he delivered us from the dominion of darkness into his marvelous kingdom of light. He defeated death. Nobody, I don't care how much money they have, how smart they are. You cannot outrun death. But Jesus, Jesus got over full authority. Jesus, with victory, defeated Satan and all of his followers. Jesus defeated death, sickness. He broke the chains free so that we can be free brothers and sisters, not from the oppression of an evil leader, but the oppression of sin itself. That is good news for now, but it's good news for then. And when you find yourself later tonight, you find yourself later this week, later this month, you amen, you clap, you appreciated this service and this word, but you find yourself struggling again because life just, just hit just like that. And it's one thing after another. And you ask yourself the question, has God forgotten about me? Brothers and sisters, I wanna leave you with what I believe is a timely reminder from a sister, Lisa Fields. She reminds us, a suffering Savior can comfort a suffering people. A suffering Savior can comfort a suffering people. When you ask the question, has God forgotten about you? Jesus knows what it really feels like to be forsaken by God. But I'm so grateful that because he was forsaken we can be adopted as children, he would never turn his back on his kids. He waits, he waits till that time come when he would enter in, he would come back from the final time and he would do away with even the presence of sin, all the sickness, all the isms that separate us, all the wounds that we have, he would do away with them forever. And we get to worship with him Throughout all of eternity, with all the saints of old, and proclaim worthy is the lamb that was slain. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy even in our suffering. That God, we have more questions than answers. But God, you have already answered on our behalf. You answered us with your word, but you answered us with your faithful works throughout all history. And we can lean on that. Father, thank you for your abiding word. Thank you for your your church, your people that we can lean on in times of need. But thank you, Jesus, that you came and you suffered for us. You're suffering with us, but as you also provided hope to be delivered for all of eternity. And we commit this to you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to leave you with the promise I want to leave you with an encouragement, another reminder as we endure seasons of suffering. So extend your arms and receive this as the Lord's pardon, blessing, his benediction. From John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart have overcome the world. Go in peace, brothers and sisters.